Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. Let's uh, get going with this show. As I said, so much is overlooked um, when it comes to the cancer journey. And a very important part of it is how to deal with your life, how to move forward after you've gone through the treatment once you're in remission. Alison Tucker is joining us today. Alison, welcome and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much, Nikki. It's, um, I think, a year and a half since last we spoke. My goodness. And I must say, it's it's quite funny because I was looking at your book just the other day, um, My Best Worst Year, A Breast Cancer Story. And I was thinking about you. And so that's why when you popped up, um, when my producer said, yes, Alison's coming onto the show, I thought, oh, wow, 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 wow. I wonder how you are. I wonder what life is looking like for you. And I and I love the article that you wrote, Alison, um, I think for the Daily yes. Dispatch. I love your absolute honesty. And I love that we can have have this conversation um, because as you said my best worst year and in it you spoke about all the lessons and you spoke about you know the shock as you found out you know no one wants to hear the news when your doctor says I've got bad news for you and and yes. the shock of it and going for the treatment and and you said I learned the power of gratitude a learning I will cherish forever and that I will draw on in small in no small measure in the good times and the bad so Alison now as we said the treatment's over you're feeling the impact of it how is the gratitude and the learning and everything going with that well I must be honest Nikki when I finished my active treatment I thought wow I'm I'm cancer free at the moment yeah I'm a survivor I'm done and it's back to life as normal but quite frankly it was anything but that so I had personally found the aftermath of cancer almost more challenging than the time of active treatment. Hmm. You know, there are things like you've, you've finished the treatment, you've gained weight. Um, a, a lot of breast cancer patients um, do gain weight while they're on treatment. You, you look different, so you start growing your hair back. Your nails are often um, damaged. You really, you're feeling at quite a low, you know, full of fatigue and, and things like that as well. And then um, you, at an emotional level, you think, well, now I, I'm cancer free. So I don't, I don't, I'm not entitled to speak about cancer anymore. I've got a bluff that everything's normal. So you sure. go through a lot of it on your own. Um, and it can be very, very tough at times. So there've been many a time where I've had to physically remind myself to find that gratitude because it was almost more difficult to find the gratitude in the aftermath than during the active treatment itself. Yeah, that's so interesting, Alison. I'm sure there's so many people who are listening right now who can relate to what you're saying. It's kind of like when you have, when you're diagnosed, what kicks in is the survival instinct to kick in, to do everything you can, to have the right attitude as well, really do everything. And as you say, you're no longer in that. So you've gone into remission and now, yeah, the pain, the hair, the emotions, the exhaustion. So let's just go back a little bit because I really want to break it down for people who are listening so that a they're not alone or b maybe they're going for treatment and know what to expect and then very importantly your very personal story so you went for the red devil treatment am am i correct i did so i had um, the red devil was the first kind of chemotherapy i had that was um once a week for uh, once every three weeks and four treatments and that's a very very toxic kind of chemotherapy 
Um, it's often referred to as being the best one for breast cancer, but the worst one for your heart. So one has to take care of one's heart and actually check that your heart's good enough to be able to have the, the treatment in the first place. But since having um, had the treatment, I now have a checkup once a year just to check as it should and that it's, um, it's good to keep me going. And you never had any problems before that. So this is something This is something you just have to be cautious yeah. with now that you've had that treatment. Well, it's the most bizarre thing because before I had um, breast cancer, I was very seldom ill. So I, I went to my GP for an insurance medical at one point, and he said to me, you haven't been here for 12 years. Anyhow, my life did change with that diagnosis the day before mm. Christmas in 2016 because now I have, you know, I will have a oncologist for life I will have um, you know annual cardiology checkups I am I am on a hormone blocker so a drug that I've been on for four and a half years so far and I've got at least another two and a half but they would in they would actually like me to be on it for 10 years if my my, my body and my um, can withstand it and I can cope with all the side effects how does the hormone blocker um work Alison what yes. actually happens um, to you Yes, in my case, my type of breast cancer was a hormone type, which means that the cancer growth is fueled by hormones. So the hormone blocker is a way of trying to prevent a reoccurrence. So, but the problem is, is it's, you know, it's helpful. So you, you, um, you, you doomed if you do, and you doomed if you don't, because yeah. there are some terrible side effects. So, for example, literally overnight, I felt so old. I would get out of bed in the morning, and even now, I've got a battle to get my feet going. So, your your ligaments, your your tendons are affected, your joints. I've just, in fact, two weeks ago, I've had surgery um, for Dequavain's tenosynovitis on my right wrist, and bigger sure. thumb on my left hand, and that's a, a you know a consequence of the drugs. Sure. So, uh, yeah, the other things there, things like hot flashes, which any woman in these drugs will tell you is just terrible. In fact, it's I think it's worse than what a woman, a menopausal woman would go through, you know, amongst other side effects as well. Wow. Wow. That is hard. But the, and so the hormone blocker you have to take, as you said, but you, you, but you mentioned that you've still got a few years left, so you don't have to take it yes. for the rest of your life. So it's just no. a period of time that you have to be taking this hormone blocker. The, the current thinking, as I understand it, is um, you would be good to go for 10 years on it. But okay. they are, the compliance level is fairly low because of the side effects. So unfortunately, a lot of women start in it and after a short period just say, I'm going to focus on quality of time, not quantity of, mm. of time, because they because they battle with the side effects. For me, I've had to find coping mechanisms. So things like I carry on exercising no matter how I feel, because I know that the exercise is good for me at a, a physical and a functional level as well as an emotional level. Right, right. But I'm not running comrades marathons or anything like that anymore, but I'm certainly out there and running very regularly. That's amazing, Alison. Well, once again, I mean, what, what a great attitude you have, because I would understand if you didn't want to do that, being in pain, you talk about your joints. Is it the, is it suppressing the, the estrogen? Is that is that what the, yes. the, the, the blood yeah, that, is? That's it. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I laugh, when, when we I first discussed it with my oncologist, I said to her, well, I can cope with any of the side effects, but please don't let me grow a beard, because I was worried that I'd get very hairy. <laughs> and actually, if I'm brutally honest, the reality is, is that your face it does get a bit hairy around the sides and you do start looking at at waxing and lotions and potions <laughs> to get rid of that sort of fluffy face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the fluffy face look. And I, I love yeah. that. And 
but also with the hormone with the hormone block therapy i mean you you think about going through menopause i mean so you're you're kind of going through menopause on steroids aren't you as you said with the hot flashes is there anything that you can take to support like any health supplements of sorts um anything that can support these um these drugs you know, one has to be quite careful because um, whatever you read on the internet, and I'm a, I'm a big Googler, so I Googled everything, but whatever you want to find, you will find. So, um, and in some some places on the on the net, they'll tell you, um, you know, don't do this. Other places, they'll say, do do this. So okay. I really rely quite heavily on my um, my oncologist. I take I take um, hydrolyzed pure hydrolyzed collagen, which I believe helps my my limbs, my my joints. Whether or not it's placebo effect or not, I don't know. But I do feel like that um, does help me somewhat. Well, look, everyone's talking about collagen at the moment. We had a runner not so long ago who joined us on the show, and he said he's achieved amazing things because of the collagen. So a lot of people seem to be on collagen. It's just finding the right kind. Um, You mentioned your hair. You mentioned um, that um, when your hair grew back, it was different hair. It wasn't your old hair. absolutely bizarre because I I always had longish blonde I've been a blonde all my life although it was starting to darken a little bit as I age and um, and I had wavy hair and when my hair grew back it grew back dark 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 and it's a little bit um, it's sort of straighter and at first as every um, cancer patient who's lost their hair will tell you it grows back very uh, fuzzy um, and you've got to keep on cutting off the bits that are all sort of fuzzy and awful and but my, my the texture, the look, everything's completely different to before. Sure. So it did take me a while to assimilate that new identity. And even mm. now, sometimes I think, oh, if only I had my wigs again, they were so simple. But then I know you what you wish for you get. So I can't wish too hard to to have yeah. a simplicity and ease of wigs. So true, Alison, so true. I mean, and again, I, I started off the show and I said, I, I'm so pleased that we're having this conversation because I'm sure it must be so difficult. You know, you've got these range of emotions. You're so relieved that you've got through this, that you're in remission, that you were okay, that you, you know, now you're here and you want to feel so good, but physically it's taxing, which would then, you know, affect you emotionally. And you've got this, this conflict with then where you're filled with gratitude but you're yes. also not happy with how you're feeling at the moment and you're probably grappling with these two states and, and that must be tough so I'm, I'm so pleased that we're discussing it so that people out there realize that they that they aren't alone and you have this roller coaster of um, scanxiety initially I had checkups with my oncologist and blood tests every three months now I'm on every six months and I have a mammogram and an MRI alternating over the every six months but um, for the time leading up to um, the tests you really um, feel very low and and um, and fretful and nervous that you're going to get bad news so and then you feel this utter relief only for it to you know to go back in the cycle again the next time you're ready for your for your tests we're going to take a quick break, Alison, and I want to go back to that scan anxiety. I think it's an important, important thing to discuss. So we'll be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to the DL Link Show, where we connect you through insights, information, 
and illumination. Nikki Seberini here. I have on the line Alison Tucker. Alison joined us a year and a half ago to talk about her book. Um, she's a breast cancer survivor and her book, My Best Worst Year, A Breast Cancer Story, um, it was an incredible book. Um, and Alison spoke about how, you know, she had this awful diagnosis, how it changed her life and she shared her journey. And today she's talking about something that's very real. Um, um, and I'm delighted that we're having this discussion. She recently wrote an article for the Daily Dispatch, and it's really all about the aftermath of cancer. Um, you know, you go through all the treatment, you're in remission, and what kind of impact the treatment has had on you. So the mindset, you, you know, cancer, going along that journey, what impact that's had, but then the very real side effects of chemotherapy, how it affects your nails, your hair, um, then hormone blockers and it affects your joints and you know all of these things and how your life shifts and how do you balance being so grateful um, that uh, you're in remission and come to terms with the fact that your body is different and therefore the way you are and who you are in the world has has to change slightly so as I said Alison we're so grateful that you have joined us today you spoke about scan anxiety and I, I love that word this the anxiety that you go through when, when you know you have to go for a scan because in remission, it starts off pretty regularly and then it stretches out and stretches out. So you, you went through that very quickly, but let's just slow it down a little bit with the scan anxiety, perhaps for our listeners who can relate, know what, know what that's like. Is there a particular way you deal with it or do you just, you know, go through it or, or do you have a step-by-step -step way of dealing with it? Nikki, sometimes you can go deep down a rabbit hole with the scan anxiety because you, you go for the test and there's always that anxious waiting period, uh, waiting for the results. So yeah. um, I, just to demonstrate an example of it is uh, just a few weeks ago, I had my six monthly bloods and in January, I had my bloods and my checkup. And then as I was having the surgery, I was having COVID tests and I stumbled by accident across the fact that they'd added comments into my blood test from January that neither my oncologist nor I were aware of. And so I had to have a whole um, lot of other blood tests because there were concerns that I may have got sort of chemotherapy-induced uh, leukemia. And I went so deep down a rabbit hole. I was trying and trying to sure. find this gratitude that had served me so well, but with great difficulty. Fortunately, it was a false alarm. But for a week, it was, it was probably the worst week I've had in the last year and a half. Mm. So you get these little surprises. But what another example of how this affects us is... I have the, every six months, I have the oncologist checkup with the blood test, and then I have the mammos and I have the, the MRIs. And somehow or other, my mammos and my MRIs had got out of kilter with the months of my oncologist visits. So then I suddenly realized that I was having four months of stress instead of two months of all this anxiety and stress. So I've had a conversation with my oncologist and we've agreed we're going to get them back aligned back so that I only have those two months a year instead of the four months so that you know that's how big a, a role it plays in your life the, yeah. the anxiety around having tests and having uh, medical appointments and things yeah that's that's pretty that's pretty exhausting emotionally exhausting Alison um, and then we are still grateful because we're still alive and the exactly. many who have not been as fortunate as us exactly exactly and so Alison what are you up to I mean have you got good things on the horizon Yes, well, I am. I'm very fortunate to um, be in my own business, so I'm able to, to work quite flexibly. And these days, I do try and um, balance my life a bit better. 
I think I was a bit of a workaholic. So although I was thought I was thriving, I was probably overdoing things a bit. And now I try and balance really enjoying my life and doing some traveling, which has been a bit difficult over COVID, although I have discovered the joys of local travel, which has just been beautiful. Mm. Um, and also, um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time say, exercising, socializing, uh, trying to um, be a support to my friends. I've, I've got several friends who are going through cancer treatment at the moment and, and trying to share my experiences, even with people I don't know. So I get people referred to me regularly and when they reach a stage where they're ready to talk, you know, they get in touch and, and we share our experiences. I'm also quite active on some online groups and those for any cancer patient or um, in the aftermath of cancer, it would serve them well to join some of those. Um, some people what, like the so fact group, that it's what not groups are those? What groups so they, are those? Even, so if you're if, even on Facebook, you can Google. So for example, if you Googled um, breast can, hormonal breast cancer, cancer you would get some groups coming up so there are two groups in particular of women who are on the same drugs as I am on that are global groups that I belong to and it's a safe space for people to ask questions to share their experiences and to not feel guilty about talking about cancer again because you don't want to feel like the person is always talking about the demon the demon that mm. is cancer mm. whereas over here you and it's, it's you know you can type you don't have to talk face to face so it it feels um, safe even for people who, who may be a bit um, shy or, or reticent to, to engage with others. Okay, so that's wonderful. I mean, I've heard a number of people talk about joining Facebook groups, um, how powerful it is, as you said, because you're interacting with people, you're sharing valuable information, but I mean, lots of valuable information um, that people haven't been aware of that they've just heard on the groups. Has that been true for you too? Yes, I, I find because I'm further down um, the track than a lot of the women who are in the group, a lot of them are busy having treatment and surgery right now. Uh-huh. So I've been able to share a lot of what I've learned. Uh, but there are times where I, I will still go on and ask a, a question about something I'm going through now. And it's hmm. sometimes it might, you know, talk talking about the surgery I had in my hands. At one stage, I thought, well, is this the drug or isn't it? And I, I just posted in the group saying, I'm on, you know, aromatase inhibitor treatment. And I've got keep on having these ligament and, and tendon issues. I've read up about it. Are there any of you who've had the same experience? And within minutes, I just had heaps of women who talked about all the surgery they've had for the same thing. And I was able mm. to get tips from them. Mm. It's such a good They're point. Thank you. Thank you, Alison. So for people who are listening, just remember to go onto social media, join these groups. Um, you can do it anonymously, but you're going to be with people who are on the same journey and you may very well get some valuable information. Alison, thank you so much for joining us and uh, for this very frank and open, honest conversation, as I said, that many people can relate to. And uh, I'm sure, knowing you, that there will be a book out soon called The Aftermath <laughs> of Breast Cancer, and we'll probably be chatting about that then. <laughs> oh, thank, thank you so much, Nikki, and thank you for all that you do for educating, creating awareness, and inspiring people um, who are ill or have been ill um, or who have uh, friends or family that are ill. Oh, thank you so much, Alison. Take care. God bless. Go well.